brought to the game, I think he caused all of us as coaches, John, to reevaluate how we taught uh, offensive basketball fundamentals and, and, and what points really need to be stressed on a consistent basis in that. And, you know, you, in your career, John, you pioneered a lot of things that people copied from you. And one thing I copied from you made me vastly unpopular with my players, but I didn't give a hell. But, uh, and that was uh, practicing at 6 o'clock in the morning. You were the first person I knew that coached at a practice at 6 o'clock in the morning. You probably don't remember this, but I flew in to the West, West Coast and spent a couple of days with you and, and, and asked, tell, tell, us your, uh, tell us your philosophy on why you practiced at 6 o'clock in the morning. Well, well you know, uh, in, in, in those earlier years when we were fighting, prop, well, we fought Prop 16, Prop 42, Prop 48, prop, every every proposition had a baby. You know what I'm saying? So we were fighting each one of those babies that <laughs> Prop 48 and the rest of them had. And people were talking about, uh, you know, uh, penalizing and punishing youngsters who did not pass the tests. We would heard Barack Obama saying the other day, you cannot use the test because you were the first one to say they're, they're teaching people how to pass a test instead of teaching them how to learn. George was the first one to say that many years ago. And that was something that we could not convince these people of. Leaders could not convince them. You must teach people how to learn. In some cases, teach them how to learn how to learn, mm -hmm. in many cases. So uh, I found that every school was picking up the fact that they could discriminate by eliminating a certain segment, suggesting that uh, athletes must, uh, before they could participate in a basketball game or a football game or what have you, they had to uh, undergo this kind of scrutiny. And, and, and I felt that I would never have accepted a job if Temple Peter Leo Chorus, who, who gave me and allowed me to recruit Prop 48 guys. He was a president. Then. He was a president. A whole league like the ACC did not allow a Prop 48 player. Did not allow Prop 48. They wouldn't accept them. They would not. And try and remember that even Villanova would what happened is, along come Rasheed Wallace mm -hmm. and that group of what they call a fair five here in the city, they were going to accept all of them. They had to go through the, who, who's the president of the school, the father, I guess, whoever it is, to write a letter saying that they would take on their first Prop 48. Not a president of the school. Because he was talented. Not because... They wanted this kid to come in like other youngsters. Peter allowed me to do that. And I felt that if he said to me that they're going to put 300000 or more in a tutorial program for my kids, that I'm going to practice early. I'd done that at Cheney because I believed that if, you, if you're late, you're failing. Late to work, you're late to school, you're late for a game, you're late to, to score. Everything falls on if you're late. You're failing. And I 
Not until you perform the act do you become a noun, which is a failure. But you are failing if you don't find yourself early. You must not be late. He knows this and he's been on time for everything. That's one thing about him. If you say, I want you on that, he's going to be on that corner at that right time. All of us who came from that era, when late was failed, we know we had to be on time. So I started practicing at Cheney, and I brought that same philosophy here. So we could get in tutoring in the afternoon. Now, you know, in college, there came a time when athletes at one time were in the same classes. Mm -hmm. classes that ended at the, same, at, at the same time. And they could do that in black schools and small schools. But when you come to a big university, you got guys that are in all kinds of disciplines. You got them involved in med school, dental school, and they Business might have to school. go to school seven or eight at night, whatever. So we would look at their schedules and find that nobody was in school at five o'clock in the morning. So we practiced then. And we would set our tutorial program up since we had individual tutors. And Peter Lee, of course, provided that for me. Individual tutors. At one time, the teachers became sympathetic toward me and wanted to do it for free. And I said, no, I don't want teachers involved in this. We want outside. I want independent people because of one reason. It ain't what it is. It's what it looks like. You get teachers tutoring kids in school. From within the same school, that looks bad. They're getting A's and B's, and you say, hey, yeah, this one get The teachers got him in history, he's got him in English. You can't do that. So I would not allow them to do it. So we got our own cadre of people to handle that. And that's why we would set up our tutorial sessions depending on the youngster's curriculum, what he was what he was taking. Most of our kids could be there at five in the evening. But it also meant that I had a policy that you, that you weren't allowed to fool around with girls. Uh, see, now you you must have been popular as hell. I know. But when, look here. They, if they if they caught walking down the street with a girl, I remember Mark making I, I was walking over to the president's office and I looked down this way and I saw Mark making Walking with a hand, with a hold of a girl's hand. And I looked at him, he ran off. <laughs> I saw Granger Hall doing it, and Granger Hall, they were, see, I, I got that from my old coach because he said, if you fool around with a girl, they're going to make you weak. Now, in my day, I believe, I believe in anything like that. And it came from people like McClendon and all them mm -hmm. guys. You can't fool around with girls. And that, goes, that even holds true today. All these guys, great football players, when I, as soon as they get married, they go down. <laughs> look like they fail. So I said, uh-uh. I know it was voodoo. I know it was crazy. But I didn't fool around with girls either. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm starting to wonder about you now, Cheney. But hey, let me ask you this. The, 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 the media has, has, has said about, they call you the, the, uh, one of the, the godfathers of college basketball. Uh, John, tell me how you see yourself and, and the contribution that you've made to the game. 
Because you are a godfather, whether you like it or not. You see, you, your boy Barkley said, I am not a role model. <laughs> and Cheney going to say, I am not a godfather, but you are a godfather. Everybody, everybody can be uh, the mentor to somebody. Everybody can be a good example. You, you can look at, and I, and I always said this, you don't have to pick out an athlete. You can pick out somebody who performed. My, my, when I was coming along, my, uh, my hero was a number writer in South Philly when I, when I was coming up because he was Johnny Stu. He used to come through the neighborhood and during that time, they didn't have no lottery. He'd be writing penny numbers and he'd be sitting at my mom's table having breakfast and coffee early in the morning and writing down a piece of paper, penny numbers, which they would get, what, for a penny, $5, 15 whatever, I don't know if the number came out. But he was always locked up by one o'clock. But when he'd come out these come out these homes, and there were black and white, there was uh, I don't care who you were, Italian, Jewish, in my neighborhood, he it was a poor neighborhood on Ellsworth Street. When he'd come out, he'd have all these pennies. He'd throw twenty-five or thirty pennies up in there. Whoever got the most pennies, Johnny Stewart would give us a dollar. So in your neighborhood. Try and remember you you picked out heroes and people that you wanted to grow up to be like, right or wrong, good or bad, because of their humanity in many cases. And that could have been looked at as in terms of what I felt was very human. It was the human condition in the environment in which I found myself in. But today you can find all kinds of, oh, it's so hard. Uh, because there's so many things now that interfere in it, but you can find good in people. If you're able to say to yourself, if you've been taught that good is where you should place a great deal of hope, concern, and, and, and really feelings for, uh, that's where you should look at it. Whether it's a basketball player, whether it's the mailman, I don't care who it is, a trash man, you don't throw your trash. He comes up and sits it inside your driveway or what have you. But you can find good in just about everybody. And you should take the good things out of just about everybody. Certainly, for most of 70% of our families and poor families, it's a one-parent family. So many times it's the mother, especially because of the human condition that's happening in our country even today. So... Many times you got to look outside the home and find somebody that can point to something positive in your life. So you should never, ever find yourself in a situation where you're not a good person. Look at what happened uh, to so many of our leaders uh, who find themselves in, in, in tough situations uh, today because they make a mistake and somebody have a tendency to, to look at that one mistake and that one snapshot and find that uh, perhaps that that uh, that encompasses everything in your life and that's not so <laughs>